And I came across the awareness that Louise Hay did not start creating Hay House until the age of 56. Wow. And that's when I flipped a switch and I said, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm about to be 50, I said, I have six more years on her and look what she created. And she died well into the end of her 80s or 90. And she had built this empire, but she didn't even start till she was 56. Unbelievable. So that was what I grabbed onto to get me. And now here I am 58. And so I didn't let it stop me or get in my head. Your mind will lie to you and tell you crazy things and you have to get in control of your mind. I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Michelle Barr, a transformational specialist for over 30 years. She's coaching people in both life and business. She's helping to turn their life's calling into a profitable business, a life you love living. An author of a book, A Mindset for Manifesting on Purpose. She's a teacher and a regular speaker, both nationally and internationally, and she lives in the great state of Texas. Uh, Without further ado... Hello, Michelle Barr. Hello. It's great to be here today. Well, before we get started, you'll hear uh, uh, another voice chime in, an accomplished musician and successful voiceover, and one that you might say is in constant transformation, (laughs) my co-host, Tony Oyland. Tony, say hi Michelle. Michelle. How are you? Hi, Tony. I'm doing great. Excellent. Excellent. So there's so much about you that I didn't want to do in the intro, and and, and based on what we say, I just... I'm so fascinated with what you do because you turned your hobby into a passion. Um, and I just want to go back a bit because we'll talk about what you're doing now. But I like to, to have people go back when this whole passion, this career, this hobby began and how you turned, I think you even referenced, turned your own expensive hobby into a full-time profitable business. It's a great line. Yes. Uh, can you take us back when it all started and then we'll interject here and there? Yes, very much. I've had my business 15 years now, and I was living a life I did not love, and I was working a job trying to build a career out of college, and then I had some life things come along, including I was in a very toxic marriage, and my best friend was dying, and both of those things threw me into this awakening, and as I was going through that, caused me to really get clear on who I am and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And I was not working in transformation or any of that. I was actually in marketing and advertising and working in local publishing. 
And I ended up leaving that marriage and going to where my best friend was and spending time with him before he died. And that brought me into the whole helping and healing field, working with people who were going through transformation and crisis and trauma like I was and my best friend and some other people with terminal illness. And from there, I totally started being very led and paying attention to other opportunities that might be out there. And I was going through such a rapid transformation. I ended up feeling like I'm supposed to be helping people and healing people. And the only way I knew to do that was a very traditional route. And so I went to graduate school and I became a therapist. And I was a therapist for a decade. But then the spiritual and the personal growth pieces kept coming in. And I was exploring that a lot and ended up getting rid of my license as a therapist to do the work that I now do. And I found the healing world and then the coaching world and then became a speaker and a teacher and author and all of that. So really just turned it all around. The part about the expensive hobby is I became a very broke healer with a very expensive hobby Um. and created a lot of financial disaster for Uh, my family. And uh, that led to me being an expert on building your own business that's profitable from your life's calling. What's interesting is that you said you were a therapist. I mean, and then you go, I mean, I wonder how many therapists turn into then go to become coaches or spiritual healers. It's really, so you're very well-rounded whenever you approach a client, you've kind of done it all. I mean, it's an interesting route. I can really tell you because I get hired by a lot of therapists who either want to add coaching as an income stream Mm. or they want to leave therapy for coaching because there's a place for therapy. But for people who are really good coaches, therapy gets frustrating and there's so much more we can do. So there are a lot of coaches or a lot of therapists who become coaches and teachers and all of that. I mean, I think coaching has become so much more popular. Now, you almost see you're a pioneer ahead of your time because I think in the last, particularly the last few years, it's like people wanting to be coaches, but with your, your depth of training and also, as you said, the other therapists wanted to add it as a revenue stream. And also, when I think of therapy, I mean, it's always such kind of, oh, you know, therapy. But with coaching, it's like, okay, this is really going to get me motivated and moving forward and all that. And the spiritual angle, it adds so much to it than the dreaded therapy session. You know, as uh, many times, I don't know, sometimes. Yes, I was not really built. I was built for therapy in a way, but I really was built for coaching because in therapy, people would come to me over and over again for long periods of time and we would stay where they were and work on that. But I kept wanting to pull people forward because my gift is really a catalyst and to move people forward. And in therapy, that's not really the purpose and setting goals and working with visions and moving people forward as much as processing and healing. And so when I found the coaching world, and you're right, it was really in its early growth Mm. because now coaching is just boomed. And I was doing, I had a local healing center in my community when I found the coaching world. And I said, this is for me. And I took my business online. I came out of my brick and mortar and started my coaching business, and that was over a decade ago. Wow. Wow, because, I mean, is, 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 
as I said a moment ago, it's like now, and not you because you're more advanced, but you feel like you could hit a rock in it and, and hit a coach because everyone's like, train, I'm a coach now, I'm a coach now. So th- that kind of leads me to a question I was going to save to later is how do you stand out? I mean, your experience, obviously, but you must have some marketing techniques and just referrals and all that because there's a lot of coaches out there. I get emails all the time uh, about coaching all the time. There really are. And I love that question because on one hand, people who have that calling to be helpers and healers and then to do that through coaching, they get in their head and they ask a lot of times, oh, it's the market saturated and then you'll hear coaching's dying. It's very much alive and well. And really, you don't need very many clients a year to have a very successful, profitable coaching business. So there are plenty of people out there and more and more people are hiring coaches. So I don't believe the market's saturated. Where I come in is you're not selling coaching. You're not selling healing. You have to come in and you have to build a personality branded business. So you have to build your business by your own name and brand yourself. So I've written books and I've had radio shows and podcasts and I go out and speak on stages and my business is Michelle Barr. And then you do all those other things under the umbrella of your business. You've got to really build a personality branded business. And then you've got to determine what problems you solve and for who. And that's how you stand out in this busy marketplace. Well, also your story, just what you told us initially, how, how you found that. It's a much, it's, it's more captivating than someone saying, yeah, I saw, I got an email, I'm going to be a coach. I mean... That story alone, what you can share in your speaking, obviously attracts people. You've you went through so much of that, uh, you know, epiphany, if you will, that changed your life. Versus just, you know, what I'm just going to be a coach. You know, it's much different. That's exactly. Yeah. I really focus on that too, and I learned that you've got to find your own powerful personal story because your clients are just two steps behind you, and they want someone to get them from where they are to where you are. So you've got to be able to learn to tell your story. And just by telling my story, people contact me. I heard you were a therapist and you quit being a therapist and I need your help. So people will hear different pieces of your story. Sure. I always say, if I had 10 coaches in front of me and you said, which coach should I work with? I have a coaching a client who's a coach who was a single mother, another one came out of a corporate job, all these different things. And once they tell their personal stories, you're going to gravitate to the true. one that is like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. When you were doing therapy, we were into a specific sort of, uh, I don't know if the genre is the right term, but like, you know, I know there's like psycho, uh, uh, the Freud was psychoanalysis, right, which I think took years. But then there's also like Jungian therapy. I mean, I'm just curious, what was your background in that? I went and got my graduate degree as a therapist, and I trained in mental health issues in general, but then I gravitated towards specialty. So it wasn't so much, we were trained in a lot of those different theories. Uh You get all the theories, and then you do internships, and that kind of shapes you. And so I've carried some of that over into this work because I became a specialist in generational dysfunction. And right. unpacking that and also domestic violence, sexual assault, uh-huh. all kinds of crisis and trauma. Wow. And what's interesting is when people come to me now to help them build their business, 
they end up coming with a lot of that childhood trauma. And we work on that because it gets in the way of you being an entrepreneur and building your business. Mm -hmm. So I still use that. It's just in a different way. So I learned the different techniques that were taught to me. I worked in hospital psychiatric for a few years while I was getting my license and domestic violence shelters. So I just learned not just one particular Mm -hmm. theory, but my own way of doing it through how I was trained. And I think that, I mean, just hearing that, I mean, that's taking coaching to another level. If I hear all that background, someone's going to be gravitate towards you, your story. This is someone who has a graduate degree. She's a she's a therapist. Now she's a coach. I mean, that's that's a, a nice entryway into to people saying, "Yeah, no, Michelle, I got to work with Michelle." She, For sure, she's got everything. You bring up a good thing with that because that's what I teach. You build a personality brand, so someone who's going to pick me finds out I have a therapy background. I have a spiritual piece. I have then the coaching and the speaking, and I've written books. All of those things come together and people look at all of that and you bring all of that to the table and that becomes what you're selling to other people. So I, they're, they're, I, I've listened to a bunch of your videos and, and some of the podcasts and I love the uh, directness and like, because one thing is so true that comes kind of resonates through a lot of your pieces is that how many people start talking about doing stuff and that, you know, about talking the talk and, you know, start walking the walk rather than just talking about the people who talk about making change but never make change. And I think that's the thing that gets the most, that you motivate people to stop talking and start doing. I mean, I think the word that comes to my mind is how many excuses can someone come up with, right, to to time to make a change. If they say, well, I want to make a change, but that would require me to do this, that. So I love how you are direct about that. That was a big piece for me, for myself, and then it grew into the work that I do. I found that I really have an ability to move people into action, and that's another reason therapy was not the best fit for me, and coaching is, because people get stuck in their stories and beliefs that just are not true, but if you believe them and think them and feel them, then you have to live them. And I am all about too many people never take any action toward what they say they want most, and then they wonder why they don't have it. And so I have learned to become an inspired and aligned action taker and create a lot and manifest a lot of things from that. Oh, wonderful. Um, It's it's interesting being the gray matters and a lot of our demographics are older. Um, I find in people I talk about, you know, you probably run across this in your coaching, is that there's a sense of, as they get older, being pushed out, their legacy, their purpose, and, and a word that I've heard a few times is maintaining relevancy, you know, in their lives. Uh, do you work with some clients that are going through that? And I don't even want to go go down the road, maybe you want to the word ageism. I mean, because as you know, if all goes well, we could live for a long time, you know, and so people aren't ready to retire, but the society has not embraced this. No, yeah, stay, work forever. You still, there's ageism out there. And then you start going, wait a minute, I was really something. And now I don't know if I'm relevant. So I don't know if you're coming across that with clients. I have. And I love that you bring that up. And I know that's what your podcast, that's one of the focuses because I'm 58 now. I've had my business 15 years. I typically have clients in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and even their 80s. I'll get younger clients sometimes. 
I had a client, 72, come to me. She had actually been a nun her entire lifetime, and she left the monastery, and she said, when you leave, you leave with nothing. And so I helped her take her life's calling and monetize it. So at 72, she created a very sustainable, profitable business. And I love the people who come to me and they say they're retiring from their lifetime careers or they're heading in that direction. And I have, I've had clients all the way into their 80s. I want to build a legacy. I want to do my purpose work. And there's a lot of wisdom there. And I'm one of those, my sister-in-law will ask me sometimes, she just won other people too, will ask me, when are you going to retire? Because in her world, that's what you do. You plan for retirement. Once you're working in your purpose, I will never retire. I will always be doing this work, but I've set my work up so that I can live the life I want to live. So clients who come to me are so driven to do their work, but they need it to make them money. And yet money isn't always their prime motivator. So they have a lot of money stuff too. But definitely my clients are in those later decades and they're building great businesses. I mean, it is something that, that's that's an amazing story about uh, that she just had nothing at 72 and started a business. That's incredible. I think that's one of the draws in some of your speeches that that people come to you because there is that fear in this world of having money does play a factor. And I think you use phrases like financial relaxation and then seeking in life both money and time freedom. Those, Those are buzzwords that would resonate with me to like say, okay, so I can make a change because let's face it, there is fear in making a change. And that's the biggest hurdle for someone coming to say, okay, it's okay. You can do this. Yes. And there's so much money stuff that comes up, especially because people who come to me, a lot of times they feel a calling and they, they feel like they want to help and heal. So then they get guilt around making money Uh and even making really good money. But when you're running a business, it costs money to build a business and to take care of yourself and all of that. So we do have to work through a lot of money stuff Mm -hmm. that's there, even around charging for your gifts. That's such a hot button still in our world. And so there are a lot of fears and a lot of my clients will come to me and I help them leave their jobs because it's such a scary thing. Sometimes it takes them a while to leave their jobs. I don't say, oh, everyone can just jump out of their jobs. I will tell you that with what I've created, I have not had a paid job with someone else since 2006, and I've never had to have a job again, but it's, there's a lot in that for people. Totally. These responsibility, you got, you know, family, I mean, it's like, just jump jump off and start over. I love what you said about your, your take on like your purpose and retirement too, because I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I... I love what I do and I never want to stop doing it. You know what I mean? I, and I, I don't know. Retirement to me, I mean, not to knock anyone else's like uh, ideas, but that kind of sounds like death, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, I guess if you have a well, horrible- first phrases of yeah, retirement, Yeah, but I mean, I think, right? I mean, I mean people a... may have like a horrible job um, that, or maybe not even horrible, True. but they're not really doing what they want to do. And then no, they yeah. retire and think that that's when they, you know, that's when life starts. Yes, very much so. And yet there's so many people, they're just going to work until they get to that place where they never have to do it again. And early on, I thought, why are people doing this to themselves? And it drove me. 
because again, I'm so purpose driven. Everything has to have purpose and meaning for me. And I just thought I can't live like that. But then you've got to create something that will support you. And with the things you love, why would you not allow that to be what you make money at? Sadly, people come to me and they're working these jobs that are just sucking their souls and the life out of them or they're sick and all of these things. And then they're doing the work they love for free on weekends and nights when they can fit it in. Yep. And they don't know how to make that their primary source of income. I think that's the hard thing is turn it into actually money and, and a business. I mean, you know, people say things, oh, you know, find what you love. You never work a day in your life. I go, yeah, but... They still need to pay for the bills and all that. So you're doing that on the weekend, but they come to you to then turn that that passion, that interest into actual business, right? When you were talking about, you know, cutting edge of coaching and now throw a stone and it's everywhere. One yeah. of the good things is the pioneers that were 10 and 12 years ago, and I was studying with them because I haven't been without my own coach since 2009 they pioneered and they built it so now one thing i can absolutely tell people looking at this kind of business to set up monetizing your gifts and following your calling there are proven strategies now there are millionaires in the marketplace and they're just making the money faster and faster and social media opened up everything. True. So there are proven strategies. It's no longer a game that you don't know if it'll work or not. It comes down to willingness to do what it takes, but it's all right there, and it's it's gotten easier. Yeah, I, I've heard people like, as you said, you know, talk about doing things. It's almost like get out of your own way and make it happen, really. Um, exactly. Um, I love one of the quotes. I don't know where I read it with you. You said, you use it, that the truth about limitation is it is self-imposed. And I was like so excited to hear was Cinderella's fairy godmother said wow. that. I didn't know that. Interesting. <laughs> I have a question, Michelle. Yes. You, you mentioned the um, pioneers of this. So I don't really know a lot about it. But um, so is there a specific kind of... Um, like a, a school for this, not not literally a school, but like, is there a, are there's are the are coaches kind of taught the same thing? You know what I mean? Is that, am I making any sense? It's a great question because there are kind of two schools of coaching. One is very organized and regulated and certification and all of that, and that's really for people who are going to serve organizations oh, or corporate and all of that. But then people started living these lives and turning around and helping others. And so really, like I have always had a coach, as I said, since 2009. So I hire coaches who are being what I want to be, doing what I want to do and having what I want to have. And then they help me save a lot of trial and error and a lot of time. And they help me with all the mental Mm -hmm. and emotional stuff, too. So you hire coaches to help you, and coaches have their different systems. There are things that everyone is doing in some similar ways because they work, and it's more and Uh more of that, but then everybody got there differently. So when I'm teaching my clients, I am teaching them, and you're wanting to learn both the business of it, and a lot of people need to learn how to coach Uh because they have, like, I have lots of as as well as therapists, lots of teachers trans translate into 
really great coaches. That makes sense. And it's funny. Sure. I end up with a lot of lawyers as my clients. So there are some skills that come over, but people mm. still have to learn how to coach. Uh-huh. So definitely you're always learning and growing. So there are coaching schools and coaching certification and all of that. And then there's just finding coaches to learn right. from and they teach you what they it's did. It's interesting because the only thing I do know about this is somebody gave me an audio book and it's the only audio book that I've actually listened through the entire thing. Now I've listened to it several times that I love. And it's a lot of what you're saying. It's called You Are a Badass. You familiar with that? Yes. It's, it's, oh, it's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And one of the things I love Sarah, about it is, yeah. like you say, everybody has their own uh, their own take. Uh, and what I kind of love about it, she's the only person I've ever really heard this from, but she talks, what she does is, I've, I've read a lot of stuff like Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and all that, but um, and Joseph Campbell. But what I love about her, I mean, some of that is all is in this as well. Is her take is like every person like me? She's she's like she writes like like we speak, you know. Yeah. She really does. In fact, I tell my clients to read "You Are a Badass with Money" uh, as the main one, and then all the other badass books. Mm-hmm. I love her story, and I tell her story all the time. So I love you brought it up because it is such a riveting story, and she was one of those pioneers that created unbelievable success and she was least likely exactly. to and in fact when I heard her story years ago I said I need Jen Sincero's coach <laughs> and then I ended up with Jen Sincero's oh, coach how cool. so that's, I was oh coached by Jen Sincero's so coach cool. who turned her into the you are a badass but yeah I mean her stuff is so down to oh, earth and her money stuff I love that you listen yeah. to her oh, I love because it. And if you if you if you hear her story, it's every coach's mm-hmm. dream. I did read and and forgive me, I didn't. I was looking for it to be broken down. What is M move M O V E? What is that? I, I didn't see where it stood yes. for. Yes, the more that I started really getting into that, I used to speak that on stage and the art of taking inspired and aligned action. So I broke it down so I could teach it easily, and I still lead my clients through it. M-O-V-E. The M is make a decision. Everything starts with a decision. And then here's the tricky part. A decision has not been made until an action has been taken because people will say, I decided. And then you come back a month later. Well, what did you do? (laughs) Oh, nothing. But I decided now I'm waiting for the universe to drop it in my lap. Then O is the energetic part. You have to own it 100%. So once you make the decision, you can't step in and out, second guess, self-doubt. You have to, as long as you can hold it, and sometimes it's only 24 hours at a time, you have to own your decision 100% and not let yourself fall out or you confuse the energy and then you can't create what you want. Then B is to visualize and vision it. So then you spend five minutes every day what does it look like? What does it feel like? Smell, taste, all of that. It's like meditating, but it's just sitting with the vision. What uh, am I driving? What am I eating? Who's around me? Where do I live? What does everything look like? And then from that place, then the E is execute, where you take aligned, inspired uh, action. So not just any action, but Every action you take moves you either toward or away from what you want. So make a decision, own it 100%, 
vision it, sit in the vision, and then execute, take the aligned, inspired action. There it is. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like you've lived this because I often ask guests, like, was there, was there ever a time there's so much conflict, life was difficult, and you wanted to bag it? I, I mean, I assume you, you're, you're living, you're coaching and going through it and becoming a coach, but you're living the process in a way. Uh, did you ever have a time to say, what am I doing? Or you always knew it was the right path, even during the difficult times. And that is really the key to being a coach and how I've created my business and sustained it. I'm willing to go first. So I'm always growing and evolving and transforming and working through my stuff. And I always have help. That's why I have a coach as well. And so then I turn around and help other people. So I'm on to the next thing. And then whatever I've mastered, I help people with. But my whole story starts with, if you had told me 15 years ago, I would ever teach or coach anyone on business or money, I would have been hysterical Perfect. because you you couldn't have told me. So when I opened my business, I got rid of my therapy license and I opened my business. 18 months later, I was closing the door and I could have turned around and stopped because I created a lot of financial disaster for oh. my family. And I was the broke healer. And that led me to find solutions to have a profitable and sustainable business. And only I was by then committed to only do the work I love and in my genius that I'm made for. But then I had to figure it out. And so I hired a business coach and I grew from there. But it was very painful. Wow. And, it, and I had kids at home still. I had oh a husband. God. And kids at home, and my husband was a teacher and worked in education. So I took a lot of risks that were not already funded, and I had to have a lot of faith and belief. But I turned around the day I was locking the door on that business and turning the key back into my landlord. I said, I know that wherever there's a desire, a way has already been made, and I know if I choose it, and I'm willing to keep going, there are solutions. And then there were, and from there, and then we went into, right at that time, we were going into the recession of 2009, and yeah. that's when I built my profitable business. Well, so you've really lived it. I mean, so that story alone, because a lot of people would say, hang it up. You know, that's, uh, that, right. that's what you're trying to do is to build a belief system in them that you didn't hang it up. It can be done showing him what happens. Yes. What beyond what you do as it taught you about other aspects of your life, it obviously affects every aspect of your life, your personal life and your, your business life. What is, have you seen the most changes over the years? Like from the beginning, maybe not exactly when you were, you know, you were in trouble financially completely, but what has changed the most in the last 15 years from when you started other than you've made more money? How have you changed the most, do you think? Yes, because I believe that entrepreneurship is a spiritual or personal growth path, whichever way that you look at that. And so in that way, it has grown me like nothing else. It has grown me to become, and this is something I love helping my clients. You have to become the person that can get the results that you're desiring and it has grown me, you're right, in every area. When I got married, I've been married now 30 years. My husband did not marry an <laughs> entrepreneur, risk taker, all of that, or he didn't know it and I didn't know it. 
And then I'm going through all these changes. I had kids at home. I had to work within that. The money thing, I had to get right with my money. I had to get right in my faith and my belief and my trust. It has rewired my brain and my entire being to become this person and to be constantly learning and growing. And so what it has changed the most is I'm pretty unrecognizable from who I was <laughs> a couple of decades ago and now go all the way back to when I was 25 in a toxic marriage, married to an addict that I had been with since junior high. And then I was suddenly a single mother of a two-year-old taking off out of that marriage, trying to help my best friend who was dying and then being propelled into this whole world. And it's allowed me, this is where I start, which makes it worth it. You create a vision of the life you want to live, and then you build a business that supports and sustains that life. So every time I decide how I want to live, I have to rebuild and recreate the aspects of my business. Like I just became a grandmother for the first time last year. So oh, I started rearranging certain things because, and we retired my husband last year. So suddenly I have a husband who's retired <laughs> and a new grandbaby. So again, you have to go back in and rearrange your business should always support the life you want to live. And that's a non-negotiable for me. So what does the future hold? I mean, I know you usually keep doing what you're doing, but you're always evolving. What do you have down the, you see something at the, the, the tunnel far away and new, new ideas, new thoughts about your practice and new approaches or just keep doing what you're doing? Yes, for one, serving more people. I've got a lot going on right now, getting out into the mainstream more and getting a bigger reach because I'm ready for that. So I'm working on ways I can have a bigger impact. And I was traveling and speaking live on stages. So I want to get back out in the live event world and the speaking. And I've got another book in me. I'm just not sure yet what its focus is going to be. And then really just continuing to train people about coaching. It's a way to put all your gifts under this umbrella. And I believe there's so many people that need coaches. It's changed my life. If I was never a coach, having coaches has changed my life profoundly. And so just to continue and to teach people how to change their thoughts, beliefs, and actions and manifest lives they love living and creating that time and money freedom so they can actually have the journey they came here to have. So I've got new things in the works and I'm really just going ahead with it and seeing what I can create next. And Tony, you said something really, I mean, the word retirement really is a weird word. Now. It doesn't apply. It's just you know, a next I chapter or whatever you want to phrase it. it. You know, and I think there are some people who definitely um, have probably, you know, find careers and stuff and then they go off and play golf every day and like you know that they're happy do gardening and that that's cool but it just i can't relate to it i i think it's just because i well how many how many rounds of golf yeah, but can you play? I, I, I mean, also really I, I love what i do I, there's not enough of it i mean you know what i mean i i, I would i would yeah i would do i want to do it forever you know I love hearing that because that's what I want to help bring out in everyone. I'm exactly the same. There's never enough of it. It's what I would spend my time talking about all the time. Mm -hmm. And so just traveling. And then I do plenty of things that I love doing in my leisure, but I still have my business right there feeding me. So yeah, retirement, I can't relate to it either. 
there's something you said that I, I just go back to because you said about all those things you did all led up to what you're doing now. Because I think sometimes you look at a career and mine as well is like all these different pieces. You go, that didn't make sense. Why did you do that? But they're all serving a purpose leading to the next chapter. I mean, they are. Why I always I do that say job? that my resume doesn't make sense. But if you take my business in this moment, I started with an undergraduate degree in advertising and marketing, and I worked in publishing, which all are very important in my business now. I was a yeah. writer, and I learned how to write copy. Then I went and became a therapist, so I've got those skills, even the trauma work that comes up when you're helping people in coaching. Right now, the buzzword in the coaching world is trauma-informed and all of that, so I'm all uniquely right. positioned. Then I went to seminary and I was a hospital chaplain and a lot of people coming to me have that spiritual piece and my journey is so spiritual and personal growth, then becoming a healer and then a coach and on and on. And now I've written books. So all of it, and that's what I do. I tell people, brand yourself as you're the brand and every single thing that you've gone through becomes part of it. One thing, I know you said so many wonderful things, and I, I think you've covered it, but if you could, some final words uh, of wisdom to our listeners, and I mean, you said so much, but any other thoughts that you can leave us with um, uh, about the Gray Matters audience? Yes, when people get overwhelmed, so they don't want to even look into it, like you said, or take any action, they have this belief or just it appears that they have so many problems. So people will come to me and say, I have so many problems. You're not even going to be able to handle them all or know where to start. So they'll do nothing. But I recognize and the work I've done and do, it's one core issue that's playing out in every area of your life. So we work on the patterns and the thoughts and the beliefs and the behaviors and then you start addressing some area of your life, but what you'll find is it's like a house of cards. And once you can get to the core, it starts affecting either positively or negatively every area of your life. So people come to me to help them build a business. Suddenly they've attracted their soulmate or they've had healing with their adult children or a health issue clears up. So you just need to start somewhere with whatever area of your life you believe is the worst off for you or creating the most problems, or if this one thing were healed, my life would be so much better. And when you start unraveling it and changing it, it affects like a web every area of your life. So being overwhelmed and being frozen and stuck and paralyzed is a disservice. But if you'll just get in there it will all start working for your highest and best and for your success. Here, here. That's incredible. Um, Tony, any other thoughts? No, I think this has been great. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been really um, powerful, and uh, I love it. Well, Michelle, this has been incredibly inspirational, and I know Tony feels the same way, and thank you so much. It sounds like I, I'm amazed you have time to do this. You sound so busy, but we really appreciate your time, and and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, thank you all so much. I enjoyed the conversation. This is great. Thank you, Michelle.
I hope you enjoy this episode of the Gray Matters Podcast. Please rate and review it and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about Michelle's practice, go to michellebar.com. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org. And please subscribe to The Gray Matters wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank my guest, Michelle Barr, my co-host, Tony Hoyland, and a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington. Until next time. Thank you.